But I'm here for the West Coast Project podcast for Louie. My name's Mike, and I'm here with Michelle. Hi, Michelle. Hey, Mike. How are you? How are you doing this week, Michelle? Great. For the doing great. <laughs> for the how are you doing redo? Yeah. Michelle, how did you like this? This was 503 and Louie. We're the podcast feed for Louie on West Coast Project, the Louie TV, it's actually called. But how did you like 503, Michelle, cop story? I liked it a whole lot more than I thought. I don't, I didn't like it. I, I, I don't understand how people can watch Louie as a comedy anymore. You know, when you and I first started podcasting Louie, I thought he was just crude and just really crossed too many lines and I had a really hard time with that and now I'm finding myself having this really hard time with how much he's making me think and I think a lot of the things that I dislike in Louie the things that make me mad when I watch it are things that I kind of dislike about myself and it's it's a difficult thing to watch. It's it's not in any way just a comedy to me. Well, there's nothing wrong with thinking. No, 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 no. And I actually love that in one way. So that's why I'm having a hard time answering your simple question of how'd you like it? Because anything that can make you look at yourself and see things can't be bad it has to be good but at the same time it's a difficult thing particularly when you think you're going into a little 30 minute comedy show yeah it's no i love lucy it's not it's not what did you think about well, when it when you say i don't understand how people watch louis expecting expecting it to be a comedy i don't understand how people watch louis who are stupid and just say, oh, this is stupid, I don't like it. But they still watch it and then critique it or criticize it. Oh, there's a it ton does of make those you people. Think. It, you're, you are forced to think. You don't just sit back and get entertained for 30 minutes. You, you, you explore yourself when you watch this guy. Well, I think a lot of the people who watch it and just kind of take things at face value and wait for just the comedic part of it are able to... To just see that in it, but Louis is a very, very intelligent show. Yeah, it, it's it's scary intelligent, and it's scary how how if you'll allow it to, it really leads you down these pathways to human behaviors. I think, or who knows? Maybe he's just like you know sitting back laughing at us. It's like, nah, didn't mean a thing. But well, I don't, I don't think Louis laughing at people who who think it's 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 a brainy show because he's trying to make it that way and it really is a pretty thoughtful show did you think this one was good yeah i liked it a lot of people were comparing it to the bully episode but people like to compare everything to the bully episode but i saw it compared to both the bully episode and the um what was the fat girl episode called that's what fat girl yeah, it was but called Fat Girl. Was it okay? <laughs> yeah, a lot of people were comparing it to to both of those. I'm also having a problem with the fact that it comes on so late at night, and 
by the time I turned on and watch it, and I, you know, sometimes pause it and make a note or whatever, and then I want to read some of the reviews that people throw up so quickly, it seems like, and read some stuff about it, and I ended up last night, I didn't go to bed till 3 o'clock in the morning, and that is, like, very that, late. That's the perfect, that's the recipe in 2015 for perfect entertainment for me. Watch something and then read or listen to podcasts that discuss it and critique it. And then for me to think about it. Exactly. And then we take the extra step. We get to talk about it, too, like on our podcast. Right. That's a, that's like interactive entertainment, hearing people's opinions about what you've all just watched and then reinterpret your feelings about what you've watched with other people's and then, com- you know, kind of come up with a a take on it that's really involved way more involved than just watching a show 10 or 15 years ago turning off the tv and going doing something else well right and kind of like the water cooler things where people used to watch tv and talk about that tv i think they called 30 something so like a water cooler show because people would watch it the night before and then talk about it the next day with their friends and stuff like that but this is such a larger thing because we have so many more people that we can get information from and people that there's people that feel the same way and people that feel absolutely the opposite way. And I like to read them both and get the takes on all that. Plus the comments on those reviews are, it's just, you're completely right. It's completely interactive to me. And it feels like we have this huge friend friendship, um, kind of like a competitive arguing kind of thing about how you feel about these TV shows. And, um, and you can really get a lot of insight if you will open your mind sometimes. Yeah, you're forced to. Even if you do turn off the TV and walk away, you're, you're not done with it because it's, it's, it's churning away in your head. I know. All right. Well, this one actually has no comedy routine in the beginning, right? I didn't... It had no comedy routine ever mm. in the whole thing. Well, I mean, except for some parts of it just coming across as funny. Well, right, but he wasn't in the comedy club, is what I meant to say. Yeah, that's true. Yet, I guess I, I guess you're right. That is true. Nothing at the end either. Mm-mm. It was a little comedy uh, jab at the end, though. He kind of well, broke, he broke right. character. That wasn't. Yeah, he did. That was kind of a little comedic. Maybe he let that he let that set in for his comedy routine for the closing. Right. So no comedy routine to start, but Louis and the pots. He's in the in the store trying to buy some pots. He's really into the cooking, man. You should be digging that, right? Yeah, I, I love it. I absolutely love that. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to say. I mean, we start off with another cooking reference right from the beginning of the show. I think that has to be something he really has an interest in. But those pots, Michelle, from Tennessee, those pots are professional grade for serious people, not for Louie. Uh and we get the first of his stammering. He stammers a lot in this episode, which was, I thought, kind of funny. The I, uh, um, I, uh, he doesn't know what to say a few times. And he just, and he keeps getting cut off by Michael Rappaport later on. He can't oh, get know. a word in edgewise for the most, for 95% of this episode. He, he can't. This, this first scene made me so mad. That's another thing about this. The, I've, it really plays with my emotion. It really does. And I'm surprised almost every time when it does. And I guess that's just my ignorance because it does it almost every time. I was so mad watching this first scene. Have you ever been in a situation like that where you're in a place and you 
want to buy something and you just can't get anybody's attention? From a, uh, a young Welsh girl? <laughs> right, Welsh, that was ridiculous. But, but, but no, from anybody. You just can't get a sales yeah, associate. Yeah, it sucks. Thing. Sometimes you get bothered by people trying to, trying to push you in sales, and sometimes you're right. You don't get any help at all. Yeah, but when you're specifically asking for it and the people are ignoring you, sort of, which is kind and of why. He was what the only one him. in there, except for that mannequin. <laughs> he was the only one in there, and she was just trying to close and get out of there. But I thought that whole scene, it was, it was infuriating. I couldn't see at first the connection with the main body of the scene, but then I saw it clear as day. And um, I don't know. It was just, it was so frustrating to me. I, I, I have such a hard time with that dismissive attitude that people give other people. Well, in case there's some maniacs listening to our podcast who don't watch the show, Louis looking at some expensive pots in a nice Manhattan store, and he's very interested, and he's looking around for help. First, he's just kind of looking, trying to make eye contact. Then he literally stops the woman and says, excuse me, I'm interested in buying these. Can you help me? And she says, well, we're, uh, we're in the process of closing. Sorry, those pots are for serious people. Uh, uh, professional grade for serious people. And she walks right past him. And then he kisses the mannequin uh, for some damn reason. Just- what was that? He had like this intimate moment with this. It was a male mannequin, right? Looked like a mannequin in a, like a chef's, some chef's clothing gear, right? Like an apron, the apron and the, and the, and the hat. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. And there was like romantic music playing and stuff. And he, like, leans in and, like, lays one on this mannequin. It was just the weirdest thing. It was crazy. It was just, I don't know what. Because <laughs> later on, or earlier on in his, in his series, he gets kissed by a cop on the lips. For no reason. Or, or right, the cop asked him for a kiss to say thanks. Remember that one? Yeah, maybe. I think I might remember in that. In the South? Yes, yes. Oh my gosh! It was that was a cop. I do yeah. re- remember the yes because it was in that diner or whatever, and he. I remember that was a weird episode. But the Asian woman in real life is Clara Wong. She's an actress, and she's been on Pacific Rim and Daughter of God. And I don't know too much about her. This is really the first time I've ever experienced watching her. Was in this Louis episode. She's really pretty, she's really smart, and she looks really Asian. So for him to say, he, you know, you're just, you just want, she says, you just want your ego stroked by a young Asian. And he makes the comment that, I didn't, I didn't say that, I'm, I thought you were Welsh. Yeah, but that was a nonsense thing for her to say anyway. He, he wasn't looking for attention from the clerk. I don't. I. I didn't buy that at all. She just was pompous and and into herself. And she, if her goal in that was to make herself this very unlikable character, then she completely succeeded. Yeah, she was doing a really heavy duty job of drawing lines around her generation. Like I'm the up and coming hot new generation. You're not in this club, and you're not welcome in this club. Um, you blew the future. You ruined the future and the environment. You don't belong in our future. She drew some pretty heavy borders around her uh, generation. 
Yeah, and he says, well, then I'll just take my business elsewhere. And she, that, that that was kind of funny. She says, you know, go to Williams-Sonoma where they'll be indulgent with you or something. It was so funny. That that was funny, but it was such a smart aleck routine. And then she goes into this whole thing, well, this is how it's supposed to be. If you feel uh, uncomfortable around young people, that's because the next generation is essentially better than you. And that's a good thing. That's what you want, right? Because that means that things have progressed and that kind of stuff. But these people who have this attitude of of superiority that don't recognize where that leg up came from and... That kind of thing, it just it it just flies all over me, and especially, I mean, you know, she is like obviously she does look very Asian, and they they respect elders so much, right, in their culture. Well, that magnif that that leverages this even into be more like sticks out even more. I think Louis comes away with somewhat some kind of a respect for her at the end, instead of just muttering and going away all pissed off like we see Michael Rappaport do later but he he comes away with kind of a little bit of respect for her like wow that's a new that's a new way to look at this yeah but that makes me mad at him that's one of the things that I don't like that is like he let this this young woman bully him and he didn't do a thing about it he like took her side yeah you're right I didn't like that. Well, he's remember, he's writing the lines for her to say. So he's saying, we all want our kids to be better off and smarter than us. So it's just natural that we, we'll look dumber to them. And, you know, we don't belong in their future. They're, I mean, it's a really mean way of saying it, but it's also a really cool way to look at it. Like, you, you would expect him to walk away all pissed off. Like, well, I've got plenty of money. Screw you. I'm going to take my money elsewhere, my business elsewhere. He doesn't. He flips it and makes it kind of seem like almost a little respectful to her. Yeah, but she didn't deserve that. She didn't deserve it, but it's but it's it's a lesson to the audience. Like, look at what you can learn from this. Yeah, I yeah, I don't think you can learn anything from people who are so self righteous that they haven't experienced maybe any of life's failures yet. That I I don't know. I don't know. Just it just left me with a bad taste in my mouth, both about her and about him. People have to stand up to people who are telling them essentially that they're not worth anything. Yeah, that's a good message, but he's trying to portray another message, and that's just the generation difference in people and how to look at the next generation coming up. I mean, I bet he really did. uh, He may have had this really happen to him in real life where he wanted something and nobody gave him the right attention or he saw it it happen to somebody else, Mm -hmm. and they got mad and they stormed out, and he probably thought, hmm, how how could I convey this? message about the generation gap or the generation coming up versus the generation older generation and so we understand where each one is coming from just just doing this angle on it instead of storming out angrily makes it clear it makes it really clear makes you think about it three times longer well, that's a good point because, I mean, if he had behaved as you would expect him to behave in that situation as a person would behave in that be- in that same situation then yeah. Yeah, we would have been saying, "Yeah, Louie, right on. You tell right. that little bitch." Okay, that's a good point. 
That's a good point. So now walking home from this store, it's, you know, it's like sunny out. It's not like it's 10 p.m. and she's trying to get home. It's like the afternoon. I know. I'm picturing like <laughs> 1 o'clock in the afternoon or something. Right. I mean, it could have been 5. It could have been like now it's spring and it's light out at 5 or 6. But it wasn't like middle of the night. She's been all, you know, dying to get home. She could have spent 15 minutes with him. Oh, my gosh. But on the restaurants, on on, on the Wait, on the message boards, everybody's going, Louie would never go there anyway, because everybody knows when you're in New York, you go to the restaurant supply stores and all this kind of stuff. And I mean, they're like really arguing this, arguing the point, which was funny. Everybody's like, everybody knows this restaurant supply store and blah, blah, blah. And those those small cooking stores just uh, rip you off. And I mean, people were offended about that. Anyway, I thought that was funny. Some people give their business to companies like that, though. They want to go into Tiffany's and buy a diamond, even though you can go to some wholesaler and get it cheaper. You know, they want to be, they want to do the shopping thing, not the pr- best price thing. Right. And I think those kinds of stores, the, I'm a 24-year-old with a store in Manhattan. Those are the kinds of stores that the yuppity-yup people go to for the shopping experience. But so, Michelle, during the week, you you texted me something about Dewey Crow. Did you mean Daryl Crow? Dewey. Or did you mean Michael Rappaport? No, I meant Dewey Crow. Okay, because Michael was, of course, Daryl Crow. And then yeah. he, this, you texted me right about the time Louis was coming up or might have been on, and I thought you might have made a mistake of calling him Dewey Crow. No, I was talking about Daryl Crow in... Uh, or not Dairy, I just said it wrong, Dewey Crow in uh, Justified. Uh, okay, well, they're both in Justified. Oh, you're they're, right. They're brothers. Yes, you're right. Okay, yeah, you're right, you're right. No, oh, no, Dewey it was, was the Dewey. skeevy little guy with the hookers and the... Right. Yeah, Daryl was the mean guy. Right. But Michael yeah. Rappaport, so we're talking about this cop. He leaves the, the, the pots and pans store cooking store and he's walking out down the street with his bags of stuff and he sees his old buddy Lenny the cop played by mm-hmm. Michael Rappaport <laughs> slash Daryl Crow um, let's hang out <laughs> first of all he gives him shit in the through the speaker of the the loudspeaker of the car in front of everyone in Manhattan on the street yeah and Louis can't see who it is like the windows are tinted or the sun's hitting the, the cop car funny or something and Louis can't even tell who's doing it so well, he's like really intimidated by this yeah and then pull over <laughs> he's walking yeah pull over <laughs> sir he's walking how do you pull over <laughs> So he pulls him over and he's like, hey, it's me, it's Lenny, and let's hang out, and gives him the big hug. And Louis like totally, of course, steamrolled by this, doesn't, re- doesn't remember liking this guy much. You could tell they weren't very close friends. And this guy is just a social steamroller. Uh, have you known people like that? I mean, I'm sure he's an exaggeration of it, but... Yeah, people- sure. People you just, like, it's fun to... It's fun to partake in the wake of whatever they do on their way through society but to go along with them and be a partner with them or a friend with them it's fun to watch them it's not fun to be out with them no it's it's a nightmare to to be out with them yes but lenny let's hang out he needs friends let's go do something nick's game and here's more stammering from louis i um i uh, uh he doesn't know what to say and um Let's go to Madison Square Garden. The Knicks game. He takes, he frisks Louie to get his phone, takes it from him, and starts asking for his code. 
What's your code? What's your code? Oh, what a shitty phone. Gets the code and calls his own number. So now he has Louie's number and their connection's been made. And they're going to be out going out on a date to the Knicks game, Michelle. Yeah. Yeah. They are. <laughs> um, I, I, it, the it, way Louie doesn't handle this is, and of course he's just come from the beat down from the 24-year-old restaurant or restaurant supply, not the owner of the store. And so he comes out and he's just like being beat down by this cop in a friendly way. But Lenny is so touchy and you can tell that Louie is not just in general. I mean, he's, well, unless he's with Pamela, but it's, it's, it's just this real uncomfortable situation. Did you feel, I could literally, as soon as this guy came on scene, I could feel the discomfort. It literally manifested itself in me. It was like this anxiety kind of growing as Louie interacted with Lenny. Yeah, I put in my notes, a line in my notes that said, the worst part of Lenny is he's a hugger. He's, <laughs> you know, he does, he's really resentful of Louis' success. Like, oh, big comedian now. And, and, he's, and he feels crap about his station in life. And he's like almost suicidal. And he's really down on his life. So he's really resentful about Louis making progress in his life. Right. So, uh, uh, and also we find out Louis, Lenny dated one of Louis' sisters. Yeah. Um, now, Louis had a number, he's had a parade of sisters, too. Which sister do you think it was? I don't know. I don't, uh, did he even say her name? I think he might have one time, but I didn't pay attention. This whole parade of sisters, like Amy Poehler, he had the sister who was pregnant and then found out all she had to do was fart. The fat girl. <laughs> I don't know if I actually saw that one. There were there was a couple at the beginning of this of of Louis that I haven't seen, but well, we don't ever find out in this episode. But the deal is that Michael Rappaport slash Lenny is the ex of one of his sisters, almost married her. Yeah, that was his his um, take on it. Anyway, I would like to hear her story about it. Yeah, he's it's. I mean, it doesn't really make them any more connected. In fact, this guy's resentful of that. Like, she, she got away from me. I should have married her, but she got away from me. Well, I wonder why. Uh, yeah, really. <laughs> but this guy's like a motor running 100 miles an hour nonstop, this, this Lenny the cop. Somebody was saying that he, Michael Rappaport, played a cop in Friends so many years ago, and the cop phoebe did you ever watch friends do you know who i'm talking about yeah but i don't remember the specific episodes well phoebe had stolen his badge or found found his badge i think and she was using it to garner favor around the city or whatever and it was the same guy and in this i think somebody said it might have aired like about 16 years ago and he was a newer beat cop and in this one He's playing this cop who says he's been on the job for 19 years and then loses his gun where he lost his badge before. Anyway, people were saying maybe it was the same, you know, character. Same theme. Yeah, that's funny. Well, like, like you know, 16 years later or whatever. So, right. yeah, I thought that was funny. So that takes us all the way up to the first commercial break. Louis kind of stuck with this guy now because he's got his phone number. Uh, <laughs> Uh, we come back and he's knitting, Michelle. He's what's with the knitting and cooking? Louis not he doesn't have any male masculinity fears or f- 
phobias, right? He's cooking and knitting and he's No, sensitive. but it's great. I love that about him. That's something I love. But but it's funny because he's knitting and then someone starts beating on his door and he hides the knitting. It's like he's embarrassed. Would you be embarrassed? You knit, right, Mike? Oh, I would have been, yeah. I would have pulled out my gun or something. You know? <laughs> Started cleaning a weapon or something like that. No, I, I wouldn't know how to knit. It looks actually kind of hard. It's not hard, but, but it's funny that he was embarrassed about it. Well, Lenny comes in with his gun drawn. Drawn. Pulled on it, pulls it on him and pretends to back him down. Um, and he he lives in Staten Island, but he's dissing Louis's apartment in Manhattan, which probably is really nice. And yeah, saying, and he's I, asking him how much he paid. He just he's constantly rising and poking, like physically poking, poking, punching, touching, elbowing, kneeing him that in the groin. Crazy. Yeah, well, I mean, what on earth? It's just this roughhousing kind of four year old with another toddler kind of behavior. Very I think annoying. that's the whole point. He's kind of an emotional, social juvenile, right? He's, well, he's got no skills. No, he's an oaf, and he's a loudmouth, and he's but that's real those are things people to. overcompensate being afraid and shy, and you know they they do the exact opposite to bluster their way through. Because it's too yeah. hard to be quiet and shy and withdrawn. They try to pretend everybody loves me. Oh, come on, this is funny. What do you mean it it hurts? It doesn't hurt. You know, they're just they're just buffoons. Well, my anxiety level was literally creeping up this whole time. Well, they walk up to Madison Square Garden to the secret floor level door, which is a really good seat at a basketball game. You're sitting on the floor, like right behind the bench where the players sit. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you've ever been to Madison Square Garden, Michelle. But it's it's in a skyscraper. It's actually on like the third or fourth floor of a big, tall skyscraper. I have not been. That's pretty so cool. So I think that's why they were going in kind of the street level is they could walk right to the floor level. Like they didn't have to go up an elevator or go up and down any escalators or anything. Right. They're going in some backside door being watched by the cop. Rob. So this cop, this other cop, does exactly what Louis should have been doing all along. Says, I don't care who you are. You're not coming in here. Yeah, <laughs> he just shuts him down. Shuts him down, right? What, he gives him back what he deserves. Absolutely. And yeah. Lenny is so upset, though. His level of upset matches his opposite level of of happiness and exuberance, you know, I mean, he, it's like this one extreme or the other. He's either like super, super, you know, punch you, playful, do a cartwheel happy, or he's just, I mean, he just like flips and does this, you know, rage almost. Yeah. This is the expected behavior, behavior from Lenny. And this is kind of what I meant at the pot store. This is what we would have expected from Louie storming out. But he sure. doesn't. He does. Like, it would have been really weird if Lenny was all introspective here at the door. I see your point. I have been acting <laughs> very uh, outrageously. But he doesn't. He acts pretty true to his character. Oh, that's a good point. Um, so they go to a bar, Michelle. and they Well, talk- that's what true fans do. Go to a bar? That's what, that's what Louis says. He says they'll just go to a bar and watch the game like, like real Knicks fans. Yeah. Or some, yeah. Yeah, I guess this is where they start talking about the sister, so. 
Well, he had mentioned it earlier, too, when he got out of the car, but this is where he really starts talking about her. Yeah. Right. And then he starts talking about Louis's looks and Louis's station in life and how Louis's Louis's looks are below average and mine are not, yet you've you've got people that like you. (laughs) You know, if you put Michael Rappaport next to Louis C.K. Michelle as as a woman, which one do you think is more or less attractive? Um... Or equal? Aren't they pretty equal? They're pretty equal. They're pretty equal, but I'm much more drawn to Louie, probably just because of the characters and stuff, than I am to Michael Rappaport. Well, if he was Daryl Crow, he'd have you wrapped around his finger. No, I don't think so. Being from Tennessee and all. <laughs> no, he wouldn't. But um, the conversation they were having in this, what did you think about that? I thought that was really a deep conversation and it was a little bit scary. The stuff he was saying, did you feel that or did I just feel like, cause I'm a woman? No, when Rappaport he- is a great actor. Cause he reveals a lot here. He, he busts Lenny down to the bare nuts and bolts, right? He goes into how he feels bad. You don't expect this bluffoon to start talking about his feelings, but he starts talking about how I feel bad sometimes, <laughs> how I hate my cop job. I'm, I'm 19 years as a patrolman. I've never gotten a promotion or, I'm, you know, I've never risen up to anything. People don't like me. People ask to be transferred from me. He really bears his soul. No, he, he didn't a- say that. He, I, I don't think he was saying that, that here. That was later on. But, but here he was talking about women, and he made it seem distasteful to him that women get to choose who they're going to be with. Um, and that, of course, he didn't know about Louie at this point, that Louie already had children and stuff, but he was saying that they're just going to be phased out, uh, people like them, because women get to choose. And something about that was really like a creepy thing to say. Well, you know, guys do think that. I think that sometimes, that women, males are always trying to impress women. Even in nature, it's kind of a law of nature, right? Peacocking and all that bullshit that you got to kind of win the female of the species by your by your strength or your speed or your your bank account that's kind of true although it does reduce it to a pretty brutal you know force of nature type way to look at it well women have to be just as impressive i mean come on women can't just do nothing and be impressive to men either. I mean, it kind of goes both ways, but I don't think, I mean, men pick as well, but I, I don't think that women, you know, are, are this disheartened or, I don't know, something about that felt really creepy to me when he was saying this, they get to pick. Like, women shouldn't have the right to pick or something. Something felt really a little unnerving, and I could have just taken it wrong because of the whole situation. But this was the second no, he time. he was saying that. That's yeah, what was, he was saying. Uncomfortably. And it was creepy. Yeah, yeah. But um, I'm saying it's true. <laughs> I'm saying it not to that degree. Like I should be able to go to a bar and take any women off the shelf I want, and she's my woman that night. That's kind of what he was implying. But the, it's true to a much le- it's a, a much more subtle degree in real life. I mean, take a woman off the street and a guy off the street and tell them, okay, first one to go into this bar and get somebody to go home with you of the opposite sex wins. The woman's always going to win. Well, but that's different. That's different. Okay, take another situation where you put a guy and a girl together, and or not together, but 
in a competition and say who can get engaged first and see who's going to win that. I mean, that's not the same thing at all. Of course a woman can get well, a guy to go home with he wasn't talking about that. He wasn't talking about relationships. Yeah, he was. He was talking about getting married and having children and stuff like that. That's actually exactly um, what he was talking about. He was talking about Louis' sister and how he expected to have a life with her and that women get to decide who gets to have families and stuff like that, and men don't get to decide that. And I don't know, I thought that was what was so creepy about the situation. You know, of course, you know, a woman can take a guy home, but, I mean, you know, men have advantages in different kind of situations too. But I did want to point out here, this is the second time he had pointed out he said, it's just like they don't matter anymore. And this is the second time in this episode that that's been said. To As Lu- men, they don't matter anymore? Well, he was saying that he and Louie don't matter. And the the girl, the owner of the store, had told Louie that he doesn't matter. You know, you don't matter anymore. It's just us. So this is the second time in this episode that he's been told he doesn't matter that's a great point. That's a great catch. Do you think in real life Louis C.K. wonders about how much he matters? I think we all do. Don't you? Kind of. Yeah, I, think, I guess so. I guess so, I, yeah. It's a pretty good comment on social evaluation of where where we are in life and our own lives just in what we thought we would be to ourselves and what other people might view us as in society. Well, I, I, I think we all want to matter. We all want to matter to people and... To be told twice that you don't. I thought it was kind of profound. Well, walking home from this bar, now there's a commercial in between, a commercial break. And walking home from the bar, Lenny says he's proud of Louis, even though he's not that funny. <laughs> like, clown dunk tanks are funny, Louis. You're not that funny. Now, that was comedic relief in this. Oh, he's just, he's just such a simpleton. Like, everyone knows a clown dunk tank is funny. You know, where you throw the ball and a clown, like, he has to even describe it. <laughs> but Louis's not that not as funny as that, um, and Louis, so Louis finally stops him, literally stops him on the street. Look, man, I'm done with hearing all this shit. I'm going home, and I'm going home alone, and just lays it down for him that, dude, you shouldn't be surprised at how people don't like you. You're just you're just steamrolling them. Okay, this was one of the parts that. I literally, after I went to bed at 3 in the morning after reading all this stuff, I was laying in bed and I was thinking, why does this scene upset me so much? Something about this was just so unsavory to me. And I think it's because Louis, and we see him do this time and again and again, he doesn't say anything to anybody. He lets things go on way beyond his boundaries. And then he is just so, when he cuts it off, he cuts it off. And that's what I do. Oh, my you gosh. Do? I Oh, I do. And I just really, I mean, not to this exaggerated extreme, but I am, I, I, yes, I really saw myself in that. And I really saw what, what was upsetting me so bad about, about him and this scene. Do you and, do you think it's wrong to do what Louis did to a certain degree that it's wrong to let it build up and then yes, blow it all out? Absolutely it is. Absolutely it is. You you put up your boundaries and you live within those your whole life and you conduct your life like that. And that's something that I struggle with 
personally all the time. It's just a boundaries thing. And I, I'm way, I, I, I completely sympathize and empathize with him on this, but I really dislike that about him. And that's, that's why. And, I um, think I'm the, I'm the opposite. Like I'm I'm curt and sh- cut people off short, and until they're worth giving the time to them, that I cut them off too short. And see, I'm the exact opposite. Yeah, I give you're a everybody lover. the benefit. Everybody, I do. I give everybody the benefit of the doubt, and I let them go too far, and then I end up having to put up the boundaries. That's so much more painful than if I had just set them to begin with. Well, Lenny says, or Louis says too, Lenny, you don't ask any questions about the other person. You're physically hurt. He just gives a laundry list of all the stuff that Lenny's doing. And Lenny retorts with, well, what about you hurting me? You hurt my feelings. You know, there's people in life like that, Michelle. They're the passive aggressive. They kind of flip it. You know, you you hurt my feelings. I, I, you know, I need a friend and you're not a good friend. Well... Right. Pretty tricky. I mean, it's a tricky social balancing act that we all have to do. Well, but it's it's very in line with it, with this character, with this Lenny character, don't you think? Because this character is in your face, tell it like it is, at this moment. And up until that point, he was happy with Louie. And then when Louie, uh, you know, put up his own boundaries to the abuse that he was suffering and I use that word kind of loosely but the guy was annoying certainly then as soon as he did that it did hurt Lenny's feelings so I completely related to that I don't know if Len- or related to what he was saying I don't know if Lenny was being passive aggressive here I think Lenny was just that's just Lenny if you step on Lenny's foot he's going to scream and scream and if you give Lenny an ice cream he's going to do a cartwheel and if you tell him to stop he's going to say you're hurting my feelings he's just yeah, you're right. You're right. It's it's I don't know. Rappaport is just a really good actor as a slob. He is great. <laughs> he was great as Daryl Crow and he's great as this guy. They're both kind of social slobs like I'm just ble- whatever I want in life, I'll do it. No no boundaries and or very loose boundaries. He's really really good actor for this role. And it also puts Louie back into the poor, you know, Louie feeling bad mode. We go back into that because he, now now he's hurt somebody. And Louie don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Well, maybe I say passive-aggressive because of this fake suicide thing. Like, I'm going to kill myself then. And he, and this reveals the missing gun. Yeah, to that took a gun. turn pretty quick, didn't it? Well, this proves – I think this proves how good a friend Louie really is. Because after all this bullshit, Louie's ready to just go home and be done with this guy. And yet he helps him. He helps him go get look for the gun everywhere. Lets him back into his house. Um, tears the tears his house apart looking for that thing. Yeah, and the way he flipped out, it was like a toddler having this temper tantrum. This you know, two hundred and twenty five pound, six foot whatever man is having this temper tantrum on his floor. It was scary to me. It was really. Stressful. And then he melts down. You're right. He does melt down like a little five-year-old, just like slumps and starts crying. 
And, and so Louis does help him a lot. Louis says, okay, I'll let you stay here. You just relax. Stay here at my house alone, which was really risky. <laughs> oh, no. And then he goes out and he goes back to the bar where the guy wanted to throw them out and threw them out again and looks under the chairs and um, finds the gun in the street. And then Michelle, Louis is the worst <laughs> gun transporter in New York City. That was so that was funny. I was so glad they put in a funny scene like that. It was, it was actually dramatic. Like, oh, he's going to get caught. He's going to get in trouble. Well, he could not have looked more suspicious if he had been waving it in the air. The way he's running with it, he holds it, and he's, like, holding it funny, and he's scared of it, and he's looking around, and he just takes off running, like, with it tucked underneath his jacket or Well, something. you put it in your pocket, and you're done with it. He's fumble ruskying it around, trying to hold it in front of him against his body. He drops it in front of a van of cops, and they all just swarm around him to get past him. <laughs> As they're, but see, it's another reference. It's another reference there to he doesn't matter. He drops the gun as this as this van of of NYPD are exiting the van. He drops it right in front of them, and they don't even notice. They don't, it's just like they don't even notice him. Mike, he's invisible. Yeah. Yes. Well, he brings the gun back and essentially probably saves Lenny's job and his career, and and then he just breaks down, hugging and crying, and oh, you're such a good guy. I mean, that guy went through such a ringer of being Mr. Boisterous to Mr. Baby in the span of a half an hour. It was amazing. He's just like every emotion is just exaggerated. I mean, I can understand the relief and the gratitude, but he attack hugs Louis as he comes in. He like grabs him and he's sobbing and and Louis, you know, and patting him. I mean, it's just just. And then did Louie hold the gun at his head at his, as a joke? He kind of did. Somebody made some mice and men comment about that or something. I don't know. Lenny from my and mice and men. Uh, I didn't get that, but that's pretty. That's pretty funny. Yeah, I think he points the gun at his head like, oh, I, know, I could just shoot this guy. <laughs> but then he teaches him how to knit. They, we come back and he's showing him how to knit and. They break, they break the scene, and they they just start laughing because Louis says, "Ah, oh, you messed it up here," and then they and then Rappaport laughs, so Louis C.K. laughs, and they're back in real, you know, real life mode. Which was kind of cool to see them out of that character mode. I bet Very that was genuine. Fun. I think it was really funny to them as act like they were maybe trying to pull off a scene where he was teaching, you know, Louis the actor, Louis the show guy was trying to teach Lenny the cop knitting and they just busted out <laughs> laughing it was pretty good somebody said and i can't remember where i read this now i actually meant to make a note of it and i didn't but somebody said that um michael rapport was not supposed to play this scene somebody else was supposed to do it and they backed out at the last minute or something came up or something and that he um did this and they only had just a couple days and louis was actually going to scrap this whole episode i need to find that in place of just you know telling this as a rumor, but, um, but Louis didn't even know how it was going to work out. Some people really did not like Michael Rappaport playing this. And, um, he was very uncomfortable. He looked even like that bully, even though he's older, but he looked the same look, big, big kind of chunky, strong guy. Did you notice when he went into Louis's apartment to look for the gun when they first went back there, the first thing he did was pull the knitting out of the chair 
where Louie had hidden it and throw it across the room. So he's like, he found Louie's shame. But in the end, you know, you're you're right. Louie, he's a good friend, and he steps up when he's needed. And, I mean, what more can you say about a person? And Louie did matter. He did yeah. matter, despite everything that was said and everything. I mean, he really made a difference. Yeah, you'd want him in your trenches in the war on your side. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, Michelle. Well, that was it. 503 Cop Story. Next week, it's 504 Bobby's House. I think Bobby is his brother. We were trying to figure that out in the beginning. Yeah, that should be interesting. One more thing on this. Um, On Michael Rappaport's, I think it was on his IMDb page, he has a quote on there saying, sometimes people think I'm dumber than I am because of the characters that I play, but it takes a genius to play a fool. So I thought that was a pretty interesting little quote, considering it wasn't about this specifically. It was just about him in general. So he's really I like Michael Rappaport. I really like him. Yeah, he uh, I I definitely needed a drink watching this because he it just made me a nervous wreck. His character just made me nervous, which was neat. It was an interesting. I thought it was good. I'm telling you, I thought it was one of the top Louis episodes. He is really. I like the Pamela stuff and I like the romance stuff because I'm a girl and I like that. But these episodes that he does like this, I think this is going to go down as as a top for well, me. Well, guys like romance stuff too. Oh, okay. All right, Michelle, that's it for 503. I'll see you next week, 504 at Bobby's house. Okay, hey, I'll see you there. How do people reach you on the internet? Oh, um... Facebook, Michelle from TN, and Twitter, same thing, Michelle from TN. At Michelle from TN, and I'm at Scathing Tweets and WestCoastProject.com. Has all of the links to all of our shows. Michelle and I do Fargo, True Detective, uh, what a bunch of other stuff. So Orange just, is the new blog. Yeah, so check in with West Coast Project and check in with us next week for Bobby's House. And I'll see okay. you then, Michelle. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye.